Welcome to the fifth episode of the Dudes Spanking Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast that is about saltwater aquarium maintenance, nor is it a podcast about a New England town beset by secret eldritch horrors. This is a podcast about dudes who are spanking dudes and dudes who need a good spanking by other dudes. And this podcast is hosted by two dudes. Hi, I'm Jason. Hey, Jason. I am Scott, also known online as Red SPK Scott. And um, we immediately have something to talk about because you are not Brian. No. <laughs> uh, Jason, however, is, is a friend of mine and a friend of Brian's. And I need to explain, um, Brian has decided to take a step back from being on the podcast itself. Um, he is still very much connected to the podcast. He is actually, uh, he edited all the previous episodes of the podcast, and he is editing this episode. So he is still directly with the podcast, uh, but uh, work and stress and a lot of other things made it difficult for him to be on the podcast. We wanted to make sure the podcast kept going because it's been a long time since we've done an episode. So we asked our buddy Jason here if he would be interested in stepping in for at least an episode, uh, and he agreed. Um, Brian may be coming back in the future, but uh, and you can actually uh, send questions if you have questions that are for Brian based on the stuff that he's talked about in previous podcasts. Send them along uh, my way, and I will pass them along to him. So just to make it clear, he's not been booted. He's not fled for the hills. Uh, he's still involved with the podcast, but he's just not going to be on the podcast. Although he can edit himself in saying anything that he wanted, couldn't he? <laughs> uh, uh, so, that might be dangerous <laughs> it would be dangerous um, I promise to use my powers only for good so hey guys, yes, Brian here just to reiterate what Scott said I'm still very much involved with the podcast uh, certain issues in my life have required me to take a few steps back for the moment but I'm hoping it will be only a short hiatus or uh, I might come back like every other month for an episode, we haven't quite figured it out yet but yes I'm still around, I'm still editing, um, I may still pop up in here from time to time just to be my usual smart-ass self, even when I'm not co-hosting. But for now, back to your regularly scheduled program with Scott and Jason. Jason, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm just a regular guy in his 30s. Uh, I've been into spanking for a long time. And you are different from, different specifically from me. Um, you are in a committed relationship uh, where spanking yeah, is part of it. Yes. Right, so, so what is it like incorporating spanking into a long-term committed relationship? Well, you definitely have to talk about everything first. You need to set boundaries, set guidelines, uh, agree on who's getting it for what reasons. I mean, if you're playing around what the difference is between kind of messing around during sex and something that's punishment. Yeah, and that's that's also interesting to me, and it's very different from, from both myself, and, and I think uh, a lot from Brian, is that you uh, you incorporate spanking as actual punishment or discipline in your relationship. Yeah, in, in relationships I've been in, that's what we've done. Um, it works different for every guy, and you really need to talk about it. Right. Yeah, because I've had I've had guys who have contacted me who are interested both you know interested in us talking about that kind of thing on the podcast, and it puts me in an awkward position because it's it's not a history that I've had and it's not a thing that I'm into. So so having someone who is into that is 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 going to be very helpful with uh, 
dealing with issues of people who are in these sort of domestic relationships that involve discipline. So, all right. Um, before we actually get started on the, the main parts of the podcast, a couple, um, I've got uh, an announcement that was sent to me and then uh, a couple of questions that we're going to answer. Um, a couple of announcements, first of all. Actually, Brian, even though he's not in the podcast, he's actually got a new book out uh, called Argus the Werewolf Spanker, Clash of the Alphas. Uh, it is avail- available on Amazon.com uh, as a Kindle book, uh, nice and cheap. And uh, it's a sequel. This is his second book on in, in the series. Uh, it's a lot of fun, so check it out if you're into um, uh, people who know Brian know that he's very much interested in the intersection between spanking play and furries. So uh, a book about werewolves being spanked is definitely up his alley. Check it out if you're interested. Thank you, Scott. Yes, if you're interested at all in fiction involving huge, slavering werewolves and the beach bearishman who spanked them, please give my story a look. It's about as ridiculous as the title suggests. But <laughs> I'm pretty proud of it, though, especially the second part. Um, you should be able to find it on Amazon if you just search for Argus the Werewolf Spanker. My pen name there is S.G. Croup, and there's also a link to it on the sidebar of my Tumblr, um, or at least there should be once this episode goes live. Uh, but yeah, and, uh, reviews are also incredibly appreciated if any of you liked it and wish to leave a review. But uh, for now, I return once more to the shadows. Um, the second announcement I got, I was contacted by someone who, uh, participated in Badass Weekend in Georgia, which, uh, we talked about in our third podcast. Um, he, upcoming in January is the Mid-Atlantic Leather Conference in Washington, D.C. It's on the weekend of January 12th through 14th. And a gentleman by the name of Red Bear Spanker, um, arranged for sort of an impromptu spanking party at the conference last year, and he's going to try it again this year. So if you're into spanking and you're in the D.C. area or planning to go to the Mid-Atlantic Leather Conference, contact him. He's on Twitter at Red Bear Spanker. That's B-E-A-R, um, because we're dealing with spanking. It could have gone either way, you know, so we have to explain. Um, and he's also on uh, Spank This Hookups under that name. So they had a whole bunch of guys show up last time, and so they're going to try it again this year. Um, and then we got a couple questions from one gentleman that um, I think Jason, actually the first one, based on our conversations, the first one you'd be really good at, at helping answer. Um, and then uh, I'll talk a little bit about the second question. You might want to jump in on that one too. The first question, uh, and this person asked to be anonymous. Uh, secondary punishments, as in corner time, mouth soaping, being dragged by the year, are pretty important to me, almost as much as the actual spanking. His question for us is whether it resonates with us as well. So I know that you've mentioned that, you know, someone who incorporates actual discipline in, in your relationship, how much does this secondary stuff matter? It, it can matter a lot for a specific one, or it can, it, it can be something that gets skipped over depending on what it is and when it is. But something like that can solidify how much uh, it's supposed to suck. <laughs> can you give me an example of a time where, like, either that it really, really worked for you? Well, forgiven it. Um, actually, it can work best beforehand too, because right. if you have if you have a guy with his nose to the wall, well, you're calming down from being mad about something. It it means that when you actually give it, you'll be a lot more fair. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it could be pretty fun. Um, as a bottom, I'm not interested in it at all. Uh, as a top, though, I have done this to guys because they are into who are into that sort of control. 
Um, I've done the corner time. I've done the jug by the ear. I have, uh, especially at the at the moonburn parties, um, because there's a you know there's a crowd there. There's lots of guys there. It has that additional humiliation component. I have taken a guy and dragged him all the way through essentially the party space, all the way to the back to room to punish him. For for me as a top, it works very well. Pulling especially pulling a big guy by the ear. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, there's not a heck of a lot he can do to get away from it. So, yeah, so there's your answer. Um, for, for tops who I would suggest, my recommendation is if, you, if you're a top who's not into the doing it for discipline or child um, age play kind of thing, um, do it anyway. I, I didn't think I would enjoy it because I'm not into those things. I'm not into spanking as actual punishment. I'm not into age play, so I'm not interested in being a daddy. But when I actually did that, I realized it's a really, really, really easy way for a top to satisfy a bottom's need to be treated a certain way. And it didn't require me to believe, you know, believe in the scenario in order to provide that experience for the bottom. Now, the second question is a lot harder, and I ended up thinking about it a lot. Um, and it is uh, from personal experience. The attachment a sub can have to his dom can be pretty intense. What advice would you give to a sub to help navigate strong feelings he might form that could potentially drive his dom away? And, uh, you know, so this is a, a complicated issue. It is something that I kind of brought up a little bit when we were talking about etiquette at spanking parties when um, the a bottom, when you're getting, when you're getting disciplined, it can arouse you and really kind of make you feel connected to the top um, in a way that the top might not share. So a couple things that I would suggest, you know, it's a, I understand the mentality here. The spanking community is small, even though we had mentioned a lot of guys, a lot of guys in the world fantasize about spanking. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you know, you're taking it to a certain level that's different from even a lot of those guys who are just fantasizing about it or just interested in, you know, little spanking foreplay. Uh, so with that in mind, you're probably very much nervous about the idea of doing something that scares someone away. Uh, but I would also point out it goes both directions. Uh, if you're dumb, uh, depending on where you are, the situation you're in, you, you don't just want to dismiss someone that you enjoy spanking uh, just because something weird happens. So the first thing, you know, my first thought is as much as the sub is afraid of screwing things up with the dom, the dom is does not necessarily also want to just dispose of you just because he's discovered that you developed feelings that he doesn't share. So my first thought would be sit, navigate your, your feelings and your attachment. And the, the question you need to answer for yourself is would telling him about this make it difficult for us to play if he doesn't share the feelings? And that's something you really, really, really you need to navigate because it does have the potential to change the relationship. Um, would you still be comfortable being, you know, being disciplined by him, being spanked by him after telling him that you have feelings for him and he doesn't have them for you? That's what you really need to think about before you ask him any, uh, before you say anything to him. I could say, I could share, I I have had this experience as a top actually with a sub where I was more, I developed an attachment towards sub. I developed feelings for him, uh, and we did have sort of a, a, a sort of a relationship, kind of long distance. Um, I did call him my boyfriend, 
Uh, it lasted a while. Um, I got to a point where I decided that I wanted to tell him how I felt. And in doing so, when I did that, I knew at the time I was telling him that it was very likely that he did not feel the same. And even if he did, he wasn't the kind of person who was going to respond the same way. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and I was okay with that. I really, really thought about it before I did this, and I was pre prepared to accept that. Um, we continued on, and uh, what ultimately happened is you know, the realize that I realized that we were never going to be more than what we were doing. So I kind of took a step back, and we went back to being spanking buddies. I still play with him. I still, I still have very fond feelings for him. Um, you know, I, I don't call him my boyfriend. I call him, I call him an ex. Um, uh, but we are very friendly. I care for him a lot. Um, I beat his ass still. Uh, but I was prepared to accept, you know, that whole thing and, and not make drama about it. So, so I would say what you really need to do is think about how much you're prepared for your relationship to change or not change based on what you share. Um, I don't know how helpful that is. Uh, if there's anyone out there who also has additional tips for navigating this kind of feeling, um, let me know. I know it's a little bit different for you, Jason. Is it? Have you always had the mentality that that you wanted to have a committed relationship that spanking was a part of? Well, not always. I haven't always thought about having spanking as part of a committed relationship, but when the opportunity presented itself, I always thought it was a good idea, and I always kind of thought that, you know, if someone's going to be spanking me or I'm going to be spanking them, I should at least be able to get along with them outside of you know, playing around. But this, for me, the same thing went when I was single with any hookup, whether it was for spanking or not, right. that I had to at least be able to get along with the guy. Right, right. So that, that makes it a little bit easier to tell him a little bit more comfortable if you get really attracted to someone, if you're already friendly with each other. Yeah. There, There's less of that dread. Yeah. Yeah. And I should also mention as a top I've navigated occasionally I navigate bottoms who um, who express attraction for me that I don't share and I do not freak out about it <laughs> um, uh, I, I I try to navigate the best I can um, I, I haven't had to have conversations like just to be clear I'm not interested in that I, I haven't had to go that far with anyone I just kind of like just sort of set aside you know comments that are that take it a little bit too far I just kind of keep matters at hand so I tried not I definitely have tried not to push anyone away from spanking play just because they're attracted to me but I'm not attracted to them so I hope that's it, helpful it's all about letting guys down lightly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because like I enjoy like even I enjoy spanking guys you know and even if I'm not interested in being Mr. Right with a particular guy, that doesn't mean I won't enjoy spanking him. So, all right. Um, with that, let's move to our the, the regular parts of our podcast. The first section are dudes, real dudes, spanking real dudes. And so the question we're going to discuss today, what is it about a dude with a paddle? So uh, Jason, do you like paddles? Yeah, I, li I like them. They're easy to use. It's pretty hard to miss with one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, um, and you don't get that wrap around. 
Oh, oh, there if they squirm a lot. Uh, I have a, or uh, if they're in certain positions, I have very nearly smacked people on the balls. Um, but <laughs> in a very, very, you know, very sort of. Well, you never know. Yeah. Um, so I kind of threw that out on Twitter and on Tumblr, just kind of see what uh, what uh, dude speaking do listeners like about pedals. Um, a lot of them, you know, like the like the pain. They like that it's a big, broad instrument, this big sort of manly thing. Um, uh, someone mentioned that it causes less actual quote damage than canes. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to hear back from British people uh, affronted and, and suggesting that people are using the canes wrong, which is probably true, um, <laughs> uh, because America does not have a history of cane use. We do have a history of pedal use, so we know all about how to use the paddle. Um, and some folks like the way that the butt reacts to the paddle, and that's a big thing for me. I love big, beefy, bouncy butts. And the bigger they are, the more I love to use paddles on them because of the way that the bottom reacts and bounces when it gets hit by a big wooden implement. Um, so, and I think you you mentioned you also like you like large beefy butts as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I like <laughs> paddling them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things I decided to research is I was very curious as to how American. A paddle is because we you know it feel you know i'm an american it feels very much steeped in american history and so i was very curious as to whether that's really the case whether i'm just americanizing it because i'm an american and we americanize everything uh so i went to the corporal punishment uh, research site it said uh, uh research archives it's at uh, corpun.com c-o-r-p-o-n dot c-o-m uh, put together by C. Farrell, uh, Colin Farrell is his actual name. He is not the actor, <laughs> uh, but he's a gentleman who has been on the internet for a very, very, very long time documenting historical references and news references to judicial and school punishment. So I, uh, corporal punishment. So I was very curious about uh, the ref references to paddles. So I went searching through it and it does very much seem that paddles are very American, uh, at least certainly historically. Uh, more recent coverage of the use of paddle, particularly in schools, uh, because judicial, a lot of judicial corporal punishment has almost completely gone away, except in some Asian um, and Arabic countries. Uh, paddles have, are seeing some overseas use now in Korean, or uh, not necessarily Korean, but um, Eastern um, Asian countries as a punishment tool, but before that, it is heavily American. Um, I like it. It's very much associated with masculinity and, and male uh, components of corporal punishment, which is a little bit odd because it was also, it has historically been used on girls in school, um, but they used, we had paddles in, I went to school in Florida and we did have paddling there, but I never heard of any instance during my time there in school of a girl being paddled. It was always boys. So, you know, if you're an American boy and you go to a school uh, where corporal punishment is allowed, your experiences with either feeling or even witnessing corporal punishment are going to be tied to paddles. So it just becomes sort of connected as an American. It becomes sort of connected to your idea of, of dudes, frat boys, jocks, college uh, you know, coaches, teachers. Everything about the sort of a disciplinary relationship between between men and guys, you know, men and boys or college boys or playing around or horseplay, 
often connected to paddles. So, um, Jason, what I'd love to have you uh, talk about is is because you like incorporating actual punishment, uh, and, and that's how you use you know spanking and discipline. You use paddles for actual punishment scenarios. So, what is that? like and how do you how do you both give and receive paddling in those circumstances well what you need to do is you need to set up uh ahead of time how many it's going to be otherwise the guy is going to be able to try and bargain his way out of it and you also need to decide on um how it's going to be done ahead of time it there's a lot of pre-planning that goes into it and you have to start off it, it has to be hard enough it's not supposed to feel good Right. Yeah, it's not, yeah, this is not foreplay, and it, it's not kink. It's actual, it's actual discipline. Can you um, give me an example of something that, that you in real life um, is something that you think uh, a paddling is a good response for as an adult? Well, something that would get a paddling would be something like um, you've really forgotten to do something important, like paying a bunch of bills to get you charged interest. Or, you know, promising you were going to be somewhere and you didn't show up, that kind of stuff. Okay. And then, so, what happens is a set amount of swats there hard, and I guess you start they, you started the bear butt, there's no warm-up, is that right? Yeah, there, there can't be a warm-up. You can finish with the hand, because that always hurts afterwards. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if folks want to see an example of... if you haven't had this experience and you're curious about it, a good uh, place to go for how these kinds of seeds play out is um, spankingcentral.com. They have a lot of videos. He does almost all of his, I don't want to say all of them, but huge chunks of the spanking videos that he does are, are designed as spanking that mimics actual punishment. So you will see paddlings, that are short, you know, sometimes, you know, they're less than 20 swats, um, uh, but they are hard and there's no warm up. Um, and sometimes he, he, oftentimes he, I think it kind of works to bare bottom. Um, it doesn't always start with bare bottom, but um, it's a good, good example of how paddles are used in an actual punishment scenario. So um, some tips for those who are interested in paddles as kink and you know other kinds of play with longer sessions not interested in this discipline scenario but like paddles for other reasons um that's me some other tips would be you know because i like really long sessions uh uh have a lot of different kinds of paddles uh when i was first getting into this baking seed i knew i loved paddles i loved frat boys so what i did is i got these big frat size paddles uh really thick because they turned me on and then when I tried to actually use them, I discovered that hardly anybody could take them, including myself um, at the time. They were just way too intense. Um, you could only take a couple swats with them, which was, which is the actual point of them uh, in real life, and that's how they develop. But it doesn't <laughs> – it means that you can't have long sessions to have lots of paddles. One of the great things about paddles is depending on their size and their shape – there's two kinds of feelings that, that spanking bottoms talk about. And that is the sting feeling and the sort of deeper thud feeling when you get pain deeper down in the muscle. And depending on the size of the paddle, you can have you know either of those things or both of them in a long session if you switch between different implements. Um, 
switching. Yeah, the frat pedals are more of a thud. Yes, the frat pedals are more of a thud, and I've got uh, one of my favorite pedals that I like to use on 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 either beginners or people who don't have a lot of endurance. Is I have this really nice wooden and it's really thin paddle that has I, I got it 10 years ago it's been going strong um and i wish i could find i can't remember where i got it from or i would totally promote it on tumblr and everywhere else uh but it's like about and i want to say it's about three eighths of an inch thick um and nice and thin um and it has a nice sting to it and it's really 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 good for people who who like paddles but don't have a lot of experience or, or can't take heavy hardcore paddling so but get a lot of them, um, switch between them, uh, do, you know, if, if you want a long session, then yeah, go ahead and do warm-ups, uh, build up to it. Um, those secondary punishments we were talking about up at the, uh, at the start of the podcast, things like corner time, and, and those are neat little things that you could do to break up the experience. If you have, for example, a boy who is into age play or that sort of domination, um, the feeling of actual punishment, but they actually want a longer session. They don't want this short real-world punishment that Jason was just describing. One way to do that is to separate sets of, of paddlings with secondary punishments like quarter time and mouth soaping and that sort of thing, sitting in the corner with the little dunce cap and all of that. So, so you could still incorporate a sort of a role-play scenario that mimics uh, actual punishment, but is much broader and a little bit less realistic. Um, I didn't want to well, get some, in. Sometimes if, if you're playing around the, the absurdity of it is kind of the fun part. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, having, having a, a six foot four brawny muscular guy sitting on a tiny little stool is pretty funny. Yeah. It was funny. I was watching a spanking scene. Um, a, a lot of guys are into, you know, crying and, and the, the pain and the domination, but I was watching a spanking scene from I think Straight Lads Spanked, and what I really liked it was it was two two the hot straight boys one the, the one was spanking the other one, and the bottom was certainly it hurt, but the the bottom was like more embarrassed by the scenario, and he was talking while he was being spanked, and he was squirming, and, 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 and it was awkwardness, and he was embarrassed because he was he was getting it from another dude his own age, you know? And it was interesting in that not every paddling or spanking has to be tied up to the, you know, that there's something silly or absurd or fun about it is, is okay too, and that actually it can, it can add to the intensity, and of course add to the humiliation, and I love I love the idea of the bottom feeling a little bit humiliated by the punishment as well. Especially if he's very, very masculine. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, a we, couple... we share that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, I think we all, and, then, and, and Brian also loves spanking big, we all love spanking big beefy guys. Uh, no, I should mention, you know, beefy, I don't mean physically perfect. I love spanking beer cubs too. Um, uh, anyone that has a, a, a nice big butt that, that bounces around when it gets paddled, I love it. Um, I don't want to get hugely into a whole lot of safety stuff because this is a podcast and you're listening. And if you're concerned about safety in paddles, it's something that you should either either look for videos online uh, and tips online where there's images and demonstrations. Just the two things I want to mention, of course, is avoid the top and butt of the spine, uh, or top of the butt and the spine. Um, focus on the bottom two-thirds. That is something I still occasionally see, and I'm still kind of surprised that that, that, that 
guys that hit too high up on the butt with paddles. Um, you could cause um, some damage to, to nerve endings in, in the spine and just kind of stay away. Start, you know, if you're getting up towards the top of the ass crack, or towards the top of the ass crack that's too high, focus low. It's it's safer to hit too low than to too high. The, 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 the thigh can take some swats. Um, the, the tailbone cannot. The uh, and then the other thing I want to mention, I have a, one of my buddies is really into really really large paddles, like paddles that you need to use two hands to use. Um, and I, I play that with him, and it's one of those things that sounds really really scary. The idea of being hit with like a, a massive oar kind of thing. Um, in reality, because there's this whole sort of physics physics component of displacement. Uh, you know, when in, a big large thing hits the entire butt. And, and you hit evenly, um, it actually gets displaced a lot, and it doesn't really hurt more than other paddling, but it's very much an emphasis on a very deep thud. The one thing I want to mention, if you do something like that, and it, it doesn't have to be big, huge ones, but also it's the case with you, with you using frat paddle or any sort of paddle that's heavier than usual. If you do a, a long, either a very long session or a very intense session, um, keep in mind that things like bruising are not going to appear immediately. And so there are consequences to the paddling uh, when you're using heavy paddles that are not going to be uh, visible, in, that may not be visible until the very next day. Um, and so there's, so it's just like any other bruise. If you've ever gotten a bruise, you hit yourself hard and then, then hit yourself hard somewhere on some muscle. And then the next morning there's a bruise. That can happen to your butt. Uh, and, uh, it's it's really I've had it happen to me a couple times uh, when I was more of a bottom and it's really cool. Um, uh, but don't freak out about it. Number one and number two, keep that in mind um, if you're concerned about marks or the way that your butt looks before committing to being a bottom for a heavy paddling session. Um, you can't always go by how it looks during the session. So, um, anything else that uh, anything else you'd like to add about paddles, Jason, other than like use them? <laughs> well, it's really it's really easy to hit in the same spot over and over again if you're the top, and it's better not to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're not for, for both for both the pleasure or pain of the bottom and for safety reasons. Yeah, yeah. Alternate. Of course, if you're using smaller paddles, alternate cheeks. Um... Uh, if you're using longer paddles, just kind of, you know, up and down a little bit to make sure. Um, the one thing, I, actually, the one thing I would mention if you're using larger paddles, um, and this probably only helps people who, dudes who have a, a history as jocks. Um, when you're swinging with a larger paddle, one thing you may notice, if you, if, especially if you look at frat hazing pictures, um, you'll see a guy whose one cheek is just like totally destroyed and the other one is just like pink or light red. Um, that's because they're, when you're using a long or a frat paddle that hits both cheeks, um, the inclination when you're letting the inertia do all the work, what happens is the far end of the paddle moves faster and harder than the close end. So the cheek that's further from you is going to get the most impact. Um, it's hard to explain this in a podcast. Uh, it's something they could do in person, but when you're using a long paddle, visual, what I, what I try to do to make it so the swats hit evenly um, if it's a short session, maybe the bottom doesn't care, but I do have a bottom who likes that it hits the guy who likes the big paddles. He wants them to hit evenly. He likes this big, full. Um, and so what I do is focus on the butt cheek that's closer to you and just kind of visualize it. It's almost like 
bunting when you're playing baseball you want the paddle to hit uh, evenly and what you're actually really do is making sure that the closer end of the paddle is hitting the closer butt cheek slightly before the far cheek and that makes it feel a little bit more even otherwise if you just your natural inclination when you swing hard is all the the power is going to be on the far end of the paddle and so if you're right-handed and you've got a guy in front of you and you know, you've got his left cheek and then you've got his right cheek you're going to destroy his right cheek and that's hot um but it does mean that only you know it's not going to be sort of an even play thing and if you want an even session focus on actually hitting that narrow cheek or that that closer cheek and you'll actually hit evenly and, and, and make both cheeks uh feel it so uh, with that, let us wrap up talking about real dudes spanking real dudes. If you have any questions about paddles or anything you want to point out about paddle use, uh, hit me up. So let's move to the fantasy life of spanking. Uh, and this is going to be an odd little monologue, practically. <laughs> Although, Jason, please, 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 please jump in. Uh, and I actually, I'll, I'll try to incorporate this into you. I want to talk about your personal narrative uh in spanking and how you incorporate having a spanking fetish or a, faking, a spanking kink into your life. Um, I mentioned in previous podcasts, I've recommended everybody read this book. Uh, it's a book called Sex with Shakespeare. It's written by a woman actually named Jillian Keenan, a, a young woman. Um, and I read the book and it was really interesting and it was actually one of the things that caused me to turn to Brian and ask him if he was interested in starting a spanking podcast for guys. Um, so, so Jillian is a spanking fetishist, uh, like, uh, like me and Brian. She is very, I know you, you, for you, Jason, you're very much into it, but it's very much sort of in the kink spectrum and even the foreplay spectrum. You like a lot of stuff and spanking is part of those, part of the things that you like, uh, for Jillian, yeah. uh, for Jillian, for myself, for Brian, um, we are spanking fetishists, and it's you know that it's the main event for us. That's what we like. We like it more than sex. I I can go for a long time without sex as long as I'm getting spanking play in. Uh, and Jillian is very much the same way. She's yeah, also yeah, I'm kind of different than you guys. Yeah, yeah, but that's fine. It, it, it's we know that like twenty percent, twenty five percent of guys are fantasizing about spanking in some degree. So so it's gonna you know what what it is for everyone is gonna vary. Um, Jillian is also a Shakespeare scholar uh, uh, and um, a big, huge Shakespeare reader, familiar with all the characters, all the plays. And what she did in this book, which is really, really interesting to me, is she started going through – she used her knowledge of the kinds of stories Shakespeare tells to navigate fitting what her spanking fetish means to her and how to incorporate it into her life. Um, and it's, it's striking because it's so different and unusual to use the works of Shakespeare. Um, one of the things she did, there's a, a relationship in one of Shakespeare's plays where a woman is attracted to a man who treats her very poorly. And there's a lot of feminist criticism of that relationship and a lot of debate over what that means. And she decided, you know, she looked at that and she decided to essentially retell the story of it being a woman who wants to be submissive in a relationship with a dominant man, who, who wants to be disciplined um, and, and treated a certain way. And it's, you know, and it was something that was very important for her. And 
when you look at it from that perspective and start looking at the kinds of things that we do with our own fantasies, what she's really doing is highlighting something that we naturally do when you have a fetish and you're figuring out how to navigate the idea of a relationship and a sex life. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about is that we live our life through stories and we talk about our relationships through stories like the fairy tale romance. Everyone's heard of that, right? You've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have ideas and we have stories about how relationships are going to go. Um, and one of the neat things about, you know, people being more and more comfortable about homosexuality and, you know, and being gay is we're seeing new stories, you know, about, about how, how gay people, you know, gay men and women or bisexual or, or polyamorous or anyone else is crafting their own stories about how their relationships are going to be. Um, we have stories about pain being incorporated into relationships uh, with adults. And the thing though, is that they're not good stories. They're not, they're, they're warnings. You know, the stories that we tell are about abuse and about mistreatment and about, and, and they're, they're, about that this is bad behavior and um, emotionally scarring. And I don't want to dismiss those stories. Those stories are important. I would definitely say that the development and expansion of human rights uh, is heavily involved in people realizing that it's wrong to hurt other people. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very important social education, or social socialization that we teach children not to hurt each other. Um, but there is a side effect to that in that for those of us who have developed, who have fetishes or have realized that pain is something that we sexualize and that we need um, in our relationships, we really don't have good stories on to model that on. Jason, you fantasized about spankings as a child. Yeah, mostly about spanking older guys. Yeah, and like I, I, I had these weird top fantasies when I was younger. And well, Very much so. Yeah, and and um. And it was for real reasons, right? It was like you were kind of telling this story in your head that these big guys were being spanked for reasons. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way at the time I could make sense of it. And it's a story that helped you incorporate that fetish into your life. It was like, it wasn't that you, you know, because it was your imagination. You, you, you intellectually knew that you're fantasizing about these things and this guys didn't and these people didn't in real life necessarily deserve these spankings but it was the thing that you were doing with yourself to help you explore this this need to incorporate pain um into eventually what would become your relationships um i had similar fantasies well, it's, it's more it's more of a kink for me so more right it's it's a want to incorporate it right yeah and when when I was a kid, when I fantasized about spanking, um, it was in more of it was actually in more of a non-consensual sort of fantasy thing, um, and it was part of it. I, I you know I realized after the fact, it, it, this definitely became part of my my bully fetish, uh, my bully fantasy fetish was that um, I was afraid I was very very much afraid of anybody discovering my interest in spanking. 
Um, I, we had corporal punishment in my school. I was never paddled in school. I was terrified of getting paddled in school because I was afraid that someone would discover that I, number one, that I was gay, number two, that I fantasized about it. And it would be very, very embarrassing. And so that ended up sort of developing into this fantasy where, for example, some hot guy would break into my room at night when I was sleeping and spank me, you know, and paddle me very hard and make me take it. And I was wondering if that meant that, like, I wanted to be abused or I wanted I wanted some sort of spanking equivalent of a rape fantasy, which is it kind of is, but it's the same thing. Just because you have a rape fantasy doesn't mean you actually want to be raped. And as I've gotten older and older, and as I've now started kind of developing this connection um, as a bottom with this this top, who I call the bully, uh, because he very much likes the bully. He likes to be a bully as a top, as a spanking top. And the, the, I realized what I was doing is like I was telling a story, I was making a story out of a need to let go, to number one, let go and let someone discipline me, first of all, which is, you know, very common. And, and you'll see it play in a lot of different ways. Guys who are into age play fantasy, you know, they want to let go and be a kid and let the other person, you know, and then misbehave and the other person, you know, makes the call to spank them. Uh, you know, masters and slave scenarios where the slave um, you know, essentially gives up his body to control for the, you know, to satisfy the top and that, that makes him happy. And for me, it's sort of like somewhere in the middle ground, the bully scenario is um, I, I want someone to enjoy the prospect of spanking me. Um, and have that separate from how I feel about it. Like, I want the guy to, the, the, the ultimate fantasy or the story I was telling myself was that he was spanking me, he continued to spank me after I stopped enjoying it, um, and that is, you know, very much part of my fetish. I, I want, I, I want intense, long scenes. And so this kind of became the story of how I worked it into my life. And it doesn't mean I want to be bullied all the time. You know, and what that actually means, I don't know yet. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much bullying I want to do. And so that's what's, or I, I don't know how much bullying I want to have happen to me and how much bullying I want to do as a top. It's actually easier as a top, I find, because it becomes a matter of how much of someone else's fantasy I can accommodate. You know, so if someone wants to be bullied, oh, I can bully. <laughs> I love it. Um, if someone only wants to be bullied a little bit, you know, I can sit back and, 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 and navigate around the experience they want to have. Um, as the bottom, I'm, I'm in that same position where I'm trying to learn now how much I want to be bullied. And, and when this guy next visits, um, probably in April, the bully, um, I, I mentioned in the former podcast, this guy I hooked up with in the third episode and bottom four for, and I hadn't really bottomed very intensely for, for a long time. We are going to be playing out this bullying scenario. Um, and we are, we have been discussing it a lot, um, prior to his visit so I will be comfortable with the idea of letting this fantasy play out as much as possible um, so we will not be talking about being bullied when he gets down here what's going to happen is I'm going to be bullied and from that experience you know I'll see how that narrative plays out and I'll see what I like about it um, so my well, Scott have hmm? Have you ever thought of uh, uh, the kind of uh, back and forth almost where, you know, I'll, 
he gets you and then you get him back? You know, I thought about I, the fantasy I actually had as I had I had two other buddies who we we are very very compatible with spanking um, fantasies in into paddles. Big, we were all kind of big beefy guys, and there, it, this was another guy that I had really good bottom chemistry with. The fantasy we had was this sort of circle where I was the top for one guy and a bottom for the other guy. And that just kind of rotated around. So each of us was bullying, you know, and that was so that um, I like the idea. I, I, I know Brian is into reversals and I, I guess you are you into the back and forth thing as well? Oh yeah. Now see, I'm very much into as a bottom, as a, a bottom, I want to find Mr. Right. I want to find the right bully and and bottom only for him and then and not top him which is different than brian and i yeah yeah and so but i want to top lots of other guys so it's this weird sort of like how i see myself as a bottom is very different from how i see myself as a top and they're just completely different stories um so yeah but the fantasy is this one bully takes control of what happens to my butt um and and so the the idea of it being a bully is just the story that I made up using familiar, you know, using familiar things, which is that bullies, you know, bullies are a thing that exists in the real world. They're kind of a bad story, but they're also kind of hot. There's this sort of sexual fantasization of the bully. We actually talked about, Brian and I talked about that in the very first podcast because of a, a specky video that we both really liked. So you can eroticize the bully rather than just seeing yourself as this terrible, terrible victim. And that's kind of what I'm doing with this. Um, so what I'm concluding out of all of this is the reason we have an entire section of the podcast devoted to fantasies is because fantasies are important. The stories that you tell yourself that allow yourself to have these baking relationships matter. And don't be afraid of your fantasies, uh, even if they seem extreme, um, because what it really is, is you trying to mentally navigate the story where you allow yourself to get or give what you want. If you fantasize, I brought up the whole bully scenario because I fantasize a lot about non-consensual spankings. I write about non-consensual spankings. They're the, you know, I, I, I incorporate a lot of non-consensual behavior in my storytelling. That does not mean that I want that. I need, you know, or I support that in real life. I would be horrified if some of this stuff, like, if if some of the stuff that I write about, if that actually happened to people in real life, and and they didn't want that to happen, I would be very 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 horrified to discover that happened but it really is a psychological way of you to sort of start crafting stories about how you want spanking to be part of your life yeah. and so that's why i did this whole session i just kind of wanted to get in that idea fantasies matter well, what what you actually do doesn't have to be a literal interpretation of what your fantasy was right and also you know the other thing i was like Keep that in mind when you're looking to play. I Because one of the things that I've, I've happened, uh, experiences with people who are new to the scene, new to actually trying to get spanking, is that they have, all, they have a lifetime of fantasies, and they include them in things like their online profiles of things that they want to happen. And I know from having 20 years now of experience in the spanking scene that their fantasies are extremely un unrealistic, they will not enjoy it, 
if I were to do that to them, and it would scare them away from the spanking community if they if I did that to them. So... <laughs> well, and a lot of guys overestimate how much they can take. Yes, that is very much the case. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So don't feel the need to be literal about them, but it's still very important to have those fantasies. Embrace your fantasies, enjoy your fantasies, and also, you know, on that same vein. Um, if your fantasies involve children, it's kind of the same thing. We do not talk about uh, discipline in children in, in this podcast. We're not even going to get into that debate. But if your fantasies involve um, the discipline of children, that doesn't mean you're a pedophile. Um, it doesn't even mean that you're in favor of corporal punishment for children. But again, it's just it's, it's our history and background of use of corporal punishment for children sort of primes a fantasy that, again, allows us to uh, put ourselves in a place where we can have those experiences. It's, it's certainly a contributed to the sort of the age play motif where, where guys behave childishly in order to get their spankings. Um, so it's not an indicator of pedophilia. It's just, here's a story that I know about spanking, and here's how I can make it mine. And uh, with that, let's wrap up this really, really long section on fantasies <laughs> and end with uh, our Spankify Everything section. And um, uh, Jason, you're a big gamer, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about I'm a big I'm a big gamer. Brian's a big gamer. I've been playing video games all my life. Um, and it was an early, early source of spanking fantasies. In fact, when I, I joined Tumblr, one of the first things I did was start looking for images from, from video games in the past and start playing up guys that I always had spanking of, uh, fantasies about when I was growing up. So I figured for the Spankify Everything section today, we would talk a little bit about video game characters that we think are very spankable. And um, you start, Jason. I already know your first one. It's It's one that I know comes up in pretty much a lot of spanking in, in porn fantasies for anybody who like hot guys in video games. Oh yeah, it'd be Sabin from Final Fantasy 6 or 3, whichever way you uh, remember it. Yeah, Sabin or Sabin. Is it Sabin? Sabin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Sabin is this beefy, beefy um, blonde monk type character in, in of the fantasy genre. Um... And in the Final Fantasy series, which is, you know, a very, very important role-playing game series that comes from Japan, a uh, very pivotal, pivotal role in the development of role-playing games on console systems. Um, I remember playing it as Final Fantasy III on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I was already an adult at the time that came out. This kind of shows how old I, I am compared to you. Uh, what, what did you like about him? I like that he was big and muscular and that uh, he's kind of you know, a fun-loving guy that gets into trouble. And he's older than the rest of the characters, too. Well, not all the rest of the characters, but he's older than most main characters being in his late 20s. I think 28 is what they peg him at. Yeah, a lot of the Final Fantasy story characters tend to be on the young side, sometimes teenagers, sometimes even little kids. Um, and yeah, so he was this, this beefy, very easy to sexualize. Um, at that stage of at stage in gaming, uh, we were just starting to get develop. You know, graphics were starting to improve, and so we really didn't have a lot of uh, sexual. You know, I don't want to say erotic, eroticized characters, male or female. So it was just starting starting to develop 
Um, that we were sexualizing video games into the Atari. Go play Tuster's Revenge sometime. Uh, appearances of, of uh, that looked more and more human. In the game itself, the characters actually didn't look terribly human. They're, I guess, what they called Chibi. Now he was this little, he was this little pixelized character. But they made somehow, even just with this, with the graphics that they had available, they made him look big and beefy, even though he was a little guy. They made him look very muscular. Um, and like he's, he's very friendly. He was very sort of bro-tastic, which was very interesting coming out of because it was a Japanese role-playing game, and it was uh, a different sort of dynamic for the characters. There was a lot of drama, uh, <laughs> and me particularly melodrama, uh, especially in that particular game. Uh, so that the fact that there is a character who is just kind of fun. Um, and enjoys himself was different, and I, I got the impression that he would actually. I, I got the impression that, that that he would be kinky, that that he would like spanking, that that he would be like one of those. He would volunteer to be one of those thirty minutes of torment guys that that they do at kink.com, <laughs> get tied up and, and and tormented for a bit and, and prove how tough he is. Well, in the in the game, they avoid any discussion of his sexuality whatsoever. Unlike his brother, who's very very straight. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true, it, and it was very sort of interesting. And it's kind of like, I think that's kind of a Japanese thing where they have these big, beefy, friendly, masculine guys, but they don't. But the sexuality becomes a thing that the viewer brings to them. Like they don't show they they show them well they look sexual. Like they look for, from American perspective, of course, because we sexualize muscular men. Um, so we bring that into those characters, and they just—they're just these playful, fun, beefy guys. <laughs> and then from that, actually, I want to bring up um, a newer character that drew my attention almost immediately, um, and that is uh, Abel from Street Fighter Four, which is um, a game that's only been around for a couple years. Um, well, he Street... has a butt that's made to be spanked. Oh yes, yeah. Now Street Fighter, like Final Fantasy, I think Street Fighter and Final Fantasy came around around the exact same time. Actually, they're both the series are both equally as old. Um, Street Fighter was an arcade game, um, and it's been around for a very long time. Abel is they call him they also call him Abel. I mean, it's pronounced Abel in um, the biblical name, but sometimes because it's the Japanese translation, um, uh, they call it they call him Abel in some situations he he is essentially just like Sabin he's this big beefy blonde French guy um, in a fighting game and fighting games themselves are very very um, easy to spakeify because it's full of big beefy muscular physical guys who would be really fun to spank and, and in fact I the idea I, I've long had the fantasy of creating a fighting game that revolves around spanking uh, instead of beating each other up um, and I you know even with like bunches of different characters with different fighting techniques the soldier guy the cowboy the police officer the wrestler um, and of course Abel reminded me of that because one of these outfits and they, they have lots of different outfits is a a wrestling a extremely tight-fitting perfect flawless wrestling singlet that sh that leaves nothing to the imagination including his butt um he's nice big round the guy is like six foot ten like 280 pounds of muscle 
uh, and a great big bubble butt. Very, very, very spankable. Um, and the other thing about him is he's, he's very sort of friendly, soft-spoken, and submissive. So, like, I can, again, much like Sabine, uh, Sabin, I can imagine him being an actual submissive spanking bottom in, if, if he were actually real. <laughs> and then there's another character in Street Fighter that a lot of people into spanking love, or and a lot of gay guys love, and you like as well, right? Yeah, Zangief. Zangief, a big, beefy Russian wrestler. Now, there was some, apparently some hinting at the possibility. Uh, he's been around since the, well, not since Street Fighter 1, but Street Fighter 2, the, the, the game that's the most famous. He's been around since then, um, and he's a big, beefy wrestler um, who I think literally actually wrestles bears. They, they incorporated that into his story. Um, there was some sort of suggestion or possibility or hint that he might be gay. Yeah, they kind of hinted at it at the game. They didn't definitely say anything, but you kind of get that sense. And, you know, they kind of do that. They they tease. Just going to jump in real quick and note that uh, in Asian culture, their homosexual stereotypes are different than Western ones. Uh, like, despite the high prevalence of yaoi, which is aimed at female audiences there, uh, the popular gay stereotype in Japan, at least, is like is hairy buff guys like Zangief, or uh, or like the hard gay stereotype, as opposed to the West, where we typically associate homosexuality with more like effeminate or pretty men. So just so I put that out there. Uh, what that says about how each culture perceives each other, of course, is a discussion for a whole other podcast. Um, there are, as far as we know, there aren't any openly gay Street Fighter characters. There actually is a gay Street Fighter character. His name is Eagle. Um, he was in Street Fighter 1, so if you don't know about him, that's because no one's ever played Street Fighter 1, so it's okay. Um, but he's, he's, he's turned up a few other times, um, mostly in crossover games, but he hasn't appeared again in the main Street Fighter series. We're hoping that he might show up in Street Fighter 5, maybe. Now there is, I think it is officially official that, that one character, is, uh, Poison, is male-to-female transgender. Um, not for any particular enlightenment reason, but a very, very strange story about um, issues or concerns with um, uh, that character and violence towards women. Um, I'm not going to get into it. It's out of the podcast, but it is kind of an interesting little story. Uh, but to end this section, I thought I would embarrass myself. Um, oh, but don't forget about Solid Snake. Oh, Solid Snake. That's right. Yes, so Solid Snake from the Metal Gear series. Um, I, I have never played these games, but I've seen so much porn and spanking and stuff related to Solid Snake. Explain Solid Snake. You should be tempted to play them just because of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's he's a guy kind of around your age, actually. And uh, he very much has a very spankable ass. And it's like the developers put it right out there in the tights for everyone to look at it's kind of the it's kind of like the sexualization of the tomb raider character for as far as a woman goes but it's kind of the first time they've done it to a guy yeah there's there's all this sort all sorts of discussion about the fact that female characters are very very sexualized for the benefit of straight male players but solid snake is dresses yeah he's wearing a skin tight bodysuit that clings to every curve, every muscle, and his butt. You can see every square inch of his butt. It just like goes deep into his cleft. So the director of the series, um, Hideo Kojima, 
actually has a very well-known butt fetish, uh, both for male and female characters. Like, it's almost gotten to the point of meme status by now. Um, another thing about Metal Gear that I'd like to point out, just as an aside, is that um, as the series has gone on, Snake has aged quite a bit, because there's been, like, time skips between games. But no matter how old he gets, his ass has remained incredibly round and firm. Like, no matter what his age is. So if, if you're into old man ass, that series is also definitely the place to go. Um, and there's all sorts of people who have done all sorts of fan art of him, including a really good spaking drawing that I immediately loved, because um, it involves a paddle also, um, and some bondage. And uh, non-consensuality. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> toss that up on, on Tumblr again to remind folks of that image. But I wanted to end it with um, an, an embarrassing sort of story about me spakifying in video games. So so I'm an elder person, and much like um, much like everyone else when I'm a kid, you sort of have those fantasizing of spakings of things that you see um, on television or adults. You had talked about spaking older, you know, older guys getting spakings for, for doing bad things. So I played video games a lot, a lot. When I was, a kid, I lived in arcades. Um, I was a, a child of the '80s. I was, I was, you know, I was there during the height of the the most popular era of arcades. Now the bar, and you know, now we have the barcades, and the barcades are targeted to the same people who grew up in the arcades. So it's really funny to see that. Oh yeah, I'm like, oh, barcades are taking off. I'm like, well, yes, it's because it's the exact same customers. They're just now in their 40s. Um, <laughs> So when I was a kid, there was a there, Pac-Man, of course, who is the the most famous video game character in in the world in history. They he was so popular they made a television cartoon for him, and I I, I used to fantasize about Pac-Man getting spanked, <laughs> getting paddled, and so that that sounds a little crazy because technically Pac-Man doesn't have a butt. Um. Another way to look at it, though, is that that perhaps Pac-Man is mostly butt, like because he's he's got this big round back to him, and and in the cartoon they sort of they person they made him a personification, so he's not just this big round, you know, pizza you know with a pizza that's eating things. He had a body, a big round body. He had arms and feet. He walked around and talked, and he wore a hat, and he had a personality. And, you know, and the, the ghosts were the bad guys, and they had arms as well. And and it was really easy to imagine them chasing after Pac-Man with holding, you know, holding paddles and beating him with paddles. Because he had this, the back of him was just huge, huge. And it seems a little silly, but now I realize that very much, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned in the podcast, but one of the things that really turns me on as a top is a guy any guy, whether it's in a drawing or in real life, whose butt muscles are bigger than his head. Like his individual butt muscles, his butt is so large that his individual butt cheeks are bigger than his head. Um, and, and, and it's very noticeable and it's a huge turn on. And it kind of like, I think Pac-Man preceded that idea. Cause Pac-Man, you know, for me, I just saw like the entire backside of him is open for punishment. <laughs> and I used to draw little drawings of him, of him being paddled. So, um, With that embarrassing admission, I think that's the perfect opportunity to um, end this podcast. Uh, I want to thank you, Jason, for coming in and filling in and being part of this and telling us all about your spanking fantasies and how spanking matters in your life. You're welcome. Uh, 
yeah, and as for listeners, um, if you have any questions, ideas, topics, if you want to respond to anything that we talked about, I can be. You can track me down on on Tumblr, on Spank This Hookups, on Recon, uh, and even on Scruff. I am on all of these places as Red SPK Scott. Uh, so once again, thank you very much for listening.